Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Kind. M.I.P. With Masamela Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, again, it's Thursday, our favorite time of the week. Here we are once again with the founder of the largest online progressive community, Daily Coast, the founder of Civics with a Q, the most accurate polling firm uh, we know of, and of course, the host of The Brief, the new podcast and YouTube show, which is the most popular new (laughs) podcast and YouTube show in the world. We are here now with Mark. See, you keep saying it. People believe it. So it just becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. This is very P.T. Barnum of you. (laughs) (laughs) Marcos, Melissa's joining us. Hey, buddy, how are you? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, always good to have you. So, Tulsa, Joe Biden speaks. Many people are giving him very positive marks for his speech on race. He called out Joe Manchin. I, I think that the clock is ticking on Joe Manchin. That is, people are like, dude, you you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do something here. So what what are your thoughts about that and and where that is? Because we we still got to deal with the with the filibuster. We still got to deal with with voting rights, and these are existential issues for everything you and I and those who listen to us, Marcos, and follow us and agree with us. These are existential issues uh, for uh, progressives, for Americans, for everybody. Yeah, the problem is that Joe Manchin is just not a progressive. And I'm not, you, you know me, I'm not a reflexive anti-Manchin person. I recognize the difficulty he is in representing a state that voted for Trump by 40 points. We have no business having a Senate seat in West Virginia. And without Joe Manchin, we wouldn't have anything that we've had, which has been actually quite substantial in a 50-50 Senate, right? So I am somewhat 
more sympathetic to Manchin than your typical progressive. That said, Joe Manchin's not a progressive. I mean, he he is he is basically a pro-education, pro-labor conservative. And in a world where all these voting restrictions cost Democrats the majority, there's nothing stopping Manchin from switching parties to continue to be, you know, have power if that's what he wants. Republicans would take him in a heartbeat. And ideologically, he he would fit. You know, he'd be more pro-labor than your typical Republican. They can they can handle that. So he's in a pretty secure position in making arguments on behalf of the party, I think, don't really land very strongly to him. I would think Kirsten Sinema, who, who's, I think, just a wreck, I think she would be more more susceptible to that because she's going to face a primary challenge in when she's up for re-election in, in uh, when is it? In four years, unfortunately, not this year, the next, you know, the next cycle. So um, she might be more open to being pressured in that way. But Manchin, he, he's actually in a pretty good place, unfortunately, from our ability to to influence him. And my hope, my, my hope has always been that he saw himself as this is his last term. And so you only live once and he could vote more freely in support of progressive issues but i mean he's not acting that way now so i, I don't know if my 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 hope is bearing itself out i, I think he's 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 behaving as though he still is going to keep running and as long as that's the case he has very little incentive to help democrats it's a 40 point trump state what about the january 6th commission and what happens with that is, is that dead in the water should congressional House Democrats just go ahead and have their own January 6th commission and committee. What, what do you think about that? That's where Nancy Pelosi seems to be headed. What I would like to see if, if I could, um, the problem is, is subpoena power, right? So you can't create an outside commission that has subpoena power without the vote granting that subpoena power. So that that's pretty dead. Republicans don't want to see that happen. Because ideally it would be great is if Democrats set up an outside commission that included 50% Republicans. But you can, there are Republicans who believe in democracy and have been outspoken about it. And you can stock this committee with that kind of Republican. I'm talking like the William Crystal types, right? People who otherwise were like, ah, <laughs> people are horrible. But they are interested in finding out what happened on January 6th. So they do care about democracy. They do believe in in the ballot box deciding the direction of the country. That's not possible, though. So the other two options are either a select committee of Congress. And the problem with that, I mean, the, the good thing about it is that the Democrats would control all the subpoenas and who to call and witnesses and, and that sort of thing. The downside is that, you know, that the Republican side would be stocked with Matt Gates and Jim Jordan. And, you know, it'd be all the, the, the Trump lick spittles. And so it'd just be a circus. Because that crowd would be fully vested in making it as ridiculous as absolutely possible. So the final option is that the Justice Department actually appoints a special prosecutor type of, of, of situation that they can. And I think they can actually do a panel that can then look into the and do a full investigation into the origins of January 6th. And that may be, if we're, if we're actually interested in justice 
as opposed to making a big public spectacle out of it, that's probably the best option. So Mary Garland could do that. Yes. And that makes sense. I would hope that neither Justice or Biden would feel that that would be politicizing it. I mean, we know Republicans would politicize it. They say, oh, this is the president's administration. Because, you know, they think that the Justice Department serves at the beck and call of the president. That's what they think. Yeah, they project, right? Yeah. So you say the Justice Department to do, do it, I mean, is legitimate. They would say, oh, no, but this is Biden doing it. I just hope that would not scare away. I mean, either way. Yeah, either way, they're going to claim it's all a big partisan project. But I mean, Garland could nominate a uh, Republican, a prominent ex-senator type of Republican to head the inquiry. And Republicans will still claim it's partisan. But at this point, the modern elected Republican Party definition of partisanship is anti-Trump. It's not left, right. It, there's no ideology, right? I mean, the Republican right. Party has utterly, completely and 100% surrendered any notion that they stand for anything beyond tax cuts for billionaires. There is no ideology. So it, it's all about Donald Trump. You just had today uh, the chair of the Republican National Committee sent a letter to the, the uh, debate commission demanding all these changes. Otherwise, Republicans wouldn't take play, wouldn't partake in future debates. If you look at that list, it's a list of Trump grievances. It's got nothing to do with the Republican Party. It's got nothing to do with it's about making Trump feel that that he his grievances are still being addressed. And I think Trump is feeling pretty raw this week since they had to since they canceled his uh, blog. He got he canceled himself and uh, uh, because it was too embarrassingly irrelevant for him to handle. So I think he's feeling a little raw. So Republicans are going to have to kiss his ring I'll, extra much. He kisses butt extra much. There you go. Extra <laughs> this week. To make him feel better. Those of you who have blogs have something Donald Trump cannot have. So be proud of yourself today. All right. He does not have a blog. He, it's failed. I mean, it's yeah, just he not, lost again. Yeah, he lost again. That's what he did. Loser. He's a loser. And hopefully he'll be more of a loser. You know, I'm, I'm uh, traveling this week. In fact, folks, um, I'm talking to Marcos today uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina. Not for, for anything polit political. Actually here to drive my son off of his collegiate summer baseball camp. And it's, it's always good to get out of your own locale, comfort zone, fishbowl, whatever you want to call it, and just talk to the people in other places. And you know, people are saying to me, man, we love your attorney general and your Manhattan DA. That's what some people said to me last night. I said, really? <laughs> they said, yeah, they're going to they're gonna do it. I'm so we're so glad they're doing it. I'm glad they were patient, Mark, and got it together and are now, you know, got the criminal charges. I mean, so it's, it's and I didn't bring it up. You know, people just, you know, it was, where are you from? New York. Oh, we love your. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, wow, this is really interesting. This is what people are talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so people, you know, people feeling that, Marcos, they, they're looking forward to it. Uh, people, I've, I've always said that there's careers to be made if you're the person that brings on Donald Trump. Right. This is these are future senators and presidents that are being minted. If you can be that that national hero right. who finally brings down Donald Trump. My, my one caution is that we've gotten our hopes up so many times, right, <laughs> about these investi investigations. Uh, right. Fitzgerald's investigation way back in the in the Bush days. And uh, what, was, what was the recent one that where they refused Mueller. to. 
Mueller, yeah, the Mueller investigation, yeah. right? Right. Like so many people have had the goods, and they just mm-hmm. for any number of reasons can't or will not close the deal. And so I'm tired of getting my hopes up way too much. That said, things seem to be progressing very nicely. And remember, Trump has got, I think, 22 lawsuits is the number, like serious lawsuits that he's facing. And and yeah, maybe half of them fail uh, outright. But that's a that's a lot of avenues to potentially take him down. And it's chipping away. It's just chipping away at his armor. And now that they have his tax returns, I mean, we know, I mean, obviously he's been lying and inflating the value of his properties and lying in all sorts of financial crimes. And there's a reason that only Deutsches Bank would ever do business with him and all the other banks were like, we're not going to touch him. And it's the goods are there. The question is, are they going to be enough to take Trump down himself and not maybe, you know, the CEO of Trump Co. Like, let's, (laughs) let's see if it actually gets to, and we know for we know that Trump is very good at sending marching orders without actually saying explicitly right. what he wants done, right? The, the wink and nod, right? And right. how do you how do you how do you legally prove when he says get it done? He meant do X Y Z as opposed to please lawfully file the taxes <laughs> to the best of your ability, Your Honor. That's what I meant when I said get it done, and uh, inflate my assets, make me more money. Who cares about the law or the IRS? So. That's a challenge that prosecutors are going to have to find is, is they're going to have to be able to make that direct connection between the actions of the officers who carried out those illegal acts and Trump himself ordering those. And it's actually harder than one would think. Legally. Legally. More MIP after this message. Well, uh, couldn't they just do what prosecutors have done with the mob and racketeering? Because that's how orders are given that way. Make this yep. happen, or yep. let's you know let's get rid of this person. What did Michael Corleone say? What did he say about Fredo? As long as our mother is alive, I don't want anything to happen to Fredo. Yeah. <laughs> so, so by omission, you yeah. know, I mean, so I would hope they would be able to to deal with it that way. But Marcus, I want to go back a minute because you didn't mention mention uh, cinema. Let's go back to Arizona for a minute. Katie Hobbs announced she's going to run for governor of Arizona. You think she has a shot? Absolutely. Everybody has a shot in Arizona. It's it's, it's a 50-50 yeah. state now. This is one of those states where, uh, and Katie Hobbs is obviously a, she's a progressive hero and champion. So I think she's going to, I'd be shocked if she doesn't clear the field, mm-hmm. uh, which will make it easier for her. And she's already won statewide. And in fact, I believe she is the only state-level statewide elected official right now. Yeah, that's, that's right. Obviously, we just we picked up two Senate seats, but all those Senate races were tight. They were all within three points. Kitty Hobbs won by one point, one and a half points. The governor won by like three points. The Republican governor, Ducey, won by like three points. This is a state that is on the edge, and it's really going to come out to who turns out, who, who votes, and it's the ages old problem that we're always going to have, right? Is is do we get our core constituencies, which are lower performing voting demographics, do we get them to the polls? That's going to be the big question. Right now, I'm feeling more optimistic than maybe I should, given history. We just had a special election in New Mexico on Tuesday for Deb Haaland's uh, seat. She's now Interior Secretary. And the Democratic candidate outperformed Joe Biden. 
actually did better. And in the Albuquerque, it was in New Mexico, in the Albuquerque suburbs, the Democratic margin actually increased by a couple points. So the suburbs, at least at this point, are not snapping back to the Republicans. Democratic engagement hasn't fallen. And this is this is a middle of no, you know, what end of March, beginning of June special election where nobody's paying attention. You know, our turnout was was solid. This comes in the heels of our Georgia's special, you know, runoff Senate election victories with Warnock and Ossoff. So I'm still feeling confident that our side is engaged and activated. Where everybody talks about having drop off is donors. And I'm not talking about small dollar donors. I'm talking about the big millionaire donors. They've seemed to have cooled right now on the organizations doing the hard work on the ground. And this is so incredibly frustrating because I don't know how you look at the current playing field and the Republican assault on democracy and think, yeah, you know what? I'm going to set this out. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I, I already, we, we got rid of Trump. We won. Like, There's nothing about the current state of this country that says anybody has won. It is literally on the brink. It could fall either way. It could fall into totalitarianism, fascism, which is where Republicans want to take it, or it can t- usher in a new era of, of progressive governance, which is where we want to take it. And anybody that's not fully engaged right now that that has been part of this fight, really, I don't, I, there's something wrong with them. Yeah, yeah, right, You're, right. This is this is important, and we're seeing uh, a voter spread, we, voter suppression everywhere. If you can't, you don't see the urgency of being involved now. What are you doing? Had Ari Berman on the show recently. And 2021 alone, 400 voter suppression bills across states. 400. Had over 400, I should say. Had Latasha Brown on Black Voters Matter. Um, And she talked about what you're talking about, making sure that that. See, this is the critical moment we have, folks. Making all of these elections, even the special ones, urgent must vote elections, making active vigilance at the voting booth, second nature. So that's been the problem, getting people interested in all the races, not just the presidential race on the ballot and doing that every time. And that's the only shot we have, I would think, Marcos, of coming close to beating the precedent of the incumbent party losing seats next year Mm -hmm. in a midterm. If we do nationally what we did in Georgia, we yeah. might change that history. Now you say, uh, some people say that. that's impossible. Wait, hold on. Every cycle in Virginia, it was seesaw, Republican, Democrat, Republican. We stopped that. Nobody yeah. said that would ever happen. Literally stopped it. Now there have been what, uh, I think three, maybe four Democrats elected governor of Virginia, a state where you can't succeed yourself. Uh, um, in succession, Democrat, 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 Democrat. I remember it wasn't even 10 years ago. No, I'd say 20 years ago. You know, it was the same thing. You know, Virginia's going to flip this year because that's what Virginia always does. Virginia is now as blue as blue can be. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we keep plugging at this, second nature, second nature, second nature, what we saw... You remember, folks, you remember the euphoria of November? You remember the euphoria of January? Just imagine feeling that every cycle, it's every nice. cycle around. Why do we want that? It's good. <laughs> every time. So the, the danger 
that we have right now is, is existential. And it used to be existential for liberalism. Like, oh, they want to extinguish liberalism. This is worse now. This is existential to our democracy. Republican Party has surrendered trying to win on the on ideology. They're, they've stopped trying to win any arguments on policy. And I, Mark, you probably remember Republicans walked around saying like, this is a center-right country, right? That was a thing. This is a center-right country. They were full of crap. But at least they pretended that this was a conservative country and that they were fighting to win people's hearts and minds. They don't even... When's the last time you heard a Republican say this is a center-right country? Like, I, I can't even remember. It's been maybe it's before Trump times. Like, certainly not since Trump. Nobody's arguing this is a center-right country. And they're not even trying to an argument. So what happens when you have a party that is not interested in winning hearts and minds, but doesn't want to give up power? That's the situation we're in right now. That's why we have voter suppression. That's why we have the, the lies and the conspiracies and the efforts to overturn elections and not even voter suppression. That's part of it. But in Georgia, they took away the secretary of state's power to manage recounts and gave that to the legislature. They're trying to do that in Arizona to Katie Hobbs. They're trying to do that in Texas. And Texas is interesting because Texas is still a Republican state. So what does that say? Trump won it by six points. What does that say about Texas Republicans that they're so terrified of the black vote and the urban white vote that they're working to suppress it while they're still winning the state by six points? Yeah, yeah. And, and it shows the threat of that vote, too, and, and how they feel. But I would add to that existential, not only to, to our democracy, but to the way the government and the democracy even functions. What they do, folks, they suppress the vote, but then they get elected to sabotage the actual function of government and commerce. Yeah, so because yeah. his goal is to stop the wheels of function from grinding to literally stop things. They don't want anything to happen. They don't want government to function. They don't want it to do anything. And and that's sort of the libertarian bent that well, exists. And, and but, but it's extreme on, you know, on their part. We don't want anything to come out of this process. We just want to get a check for being a member of Congress. If and your argument it. is that government doesn't work, then how can you run a government that works? I mean, right. <laughs> it right. would be self-invalidating. The problem is that the anti-government argument isn't working for them anymore. And Trump made a mockery out of it, right? He increased the deficit by, or the debt by $8 trillion in four years. And uh, he was happy to use government to meddle in, you know, the Justice Department and, and elsewhere. And so he basically came in, and since he's not ideologically conservative, Trump is his own, you know, brand of crazy. There's, there's no ideological underpinnings or, or moorings there. And the Republican Party just surrendered to that, which is that's the that's the part that I still like blows my mind that they surrendered to somebody who made such a mockery of their what they supposedly believed in, that it sort of has undermined the entire party. And so they've lost obviously they've lost young voters. They've lost a generation, an entire gen two generations at this point. They've lost millennials and the Zoomers. They've lost college educated suburban women. And they're not really trying to win them back. I think they even lost some ground on some suburban educated men, although not as much. They've definitely lost urban areas. So what's left? They've got all white people in rural areas and they're dying off. And 
they look over to the cities and they look at the suburbs and they say what we would need to do to win those people back would cost us with these old rural men. And yeah, they're dying off, but they, they deliver a lot of pain if we were to abandon our conspiracy theories. And we don't want to be out in the wilderness for a couple of cycles. And the sad reality is that there's enough of those of that Trump crowd that they are competitive at this time. Demographically, over time, it's a problem for them, but at least short term. And this is why they're so hell bent on institutionally undermining our democracy, because they know they can't survive the demographic shifts of this country. So this is like for them, it's existential. Like they, you know, we look at democracy as existential because we value democracy. They see democracy as the threat. And <laughs> yeah, the very yeah, to them. democracy itself as it exists. Yeah. More MIP after this message. Let's do this before we go. Now, you, because it's another area I think it's important people would want to hear from you on. Uh, you, on the brief this week, also talked about candidate recruitment. That's important too, because to, I mean, we we got to get the vote out. We have to vote, folks. But it's always good when they're good candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, talk to us a little bit about that. Where, how you think that's headed. And if you don't mind, uh, maybe educate the public a little bit too about um, the way candidate recruitment even even works. Right. So historically, candidates, not just Democratic candidates, all candidates were basically, they looked the same, right? They were white men, mostly lawyers, predominantly prosecutors, and people of money. So political dynasties or you know wealthy people, because Running for office is incredibly complicated. And so we had Amanda Littman on the brief this week. She is the co-founder of Run for Something. And she is a she's a powerhouse. Like she's unbelievable. And Run for Something, if you're interested in running at any it's this is for local level offices, not for federal, but but state legislature to like mosquito abatement board, city council. Run for something. Run for something will basically hold your hand and walk you through the process. And we had Amanda. I said, so what, what does somebody have to do when they, they, they run for office? And, and Mark, I, I don't even remember that list was so long. But it was like you have to write a campaign plan. You have to file the paperwork. You have to open the bank account. You have to hire this kind of staff. You have to. The list was endless. And so no wonder we couldn't get candidates that looked like America to run because it was so complicated and in system I, I'm convinced it's designed to be complicated to keep people from running. It protected that white male class from having to deal with actual competition electorally. So run for something shows up and you know that most of their candidates are women, you know, they're like 40% people of color, they're like 25% LGBTQ. Um, they really helped democratize. And when you look at the rise of the Democratic Party during the during the Trump resistance, the superstars are people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ayanna Presley and you know, people like that that are not traditional candidates. Latina, black women, trans women, these are not the kind of candidates that ever ran because it was too complicated. So now you have an organization like Run for Something that literally holds people's hands and teaches them the mechanics of running for office. Now, once they've run for office, now they know how to do it. And you know, if they move up the ranks, they can take care of themselves. So Run for Something is really designed for first-time candidates that uh, are on the ground floor. This is like a legitimately grassroots. And they're winning races that people didn't think could be won because nobody ever bothered running 
candidates. And what's amazing, Mark, is that, and we're seeing this in like, um, I think we've even talked about this, uh, the Houston DA's race, right? Houston DA's race. I, I need to refresh myself. Hold it. <laughs> but, but she brought in, she helped increase voter turnout in Houston because it wasn't the top right. of the ticket. It was arguing, it's coming in and saying it's people on the ground that can make a difference to your life every single day. And these are people that look like you, they talk like you, they know what your life looks like. And then that helps bring new people into the into the voting process in a way that Joe Biden would, you know, wouldn't be able to do so in a typical election year. Was that so, Og, Kim Og? Is that who that was? I can't remember. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. We're great. That's but, fine. But yeah, but I mean, the, the point is like run people at the local level that look like their communities. That's right. And it, it suddenly changes things. And I actually think Raphael Warnock is a perfect example. And John Ossoff. John Ossoff is yeah. 34, right? He's the youngest senator in, I don't know, like 50, 60 years. Somebody who looks young and can speak and project in a way that resonates with youth right and Raphael warnock which obviously he's, he's black and speaks and resonates with one of the largest black communities in the country uh in georgia that was a dynamite one two punch right to 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 carry into that runoff and i think we benefited from both of them making into the runoff because had had one of them won outright might have been a problem yeah but by both of them running as a ticket and appealing to the broad swath of the of the voting public it was really really beneficial so and this is honestly it's one of the big reasons i was i was not for joe biden in the primary because he's not representative of the party or at this point of the country itself it actually worked out you did and we've talked about how like it's actually worked out even more fantastically than anybody could, could have imagined because republicans don't know how to run against white people anymore like they're Joe Biden flummoxes them. Yeah. But yeah. at the lower levels, it's having a, a elected officials that represent and look like our communities, look like our, our, you know, what America looks like, makes us stronger as a party, means we have better governance and pulls new people into the system. And so if you're interested in running, runforsomething.org, I believe, runforsomething.org, and they will hold your hand and walk you through the whole process of right. becoming a candidate. And they're democratizing politics which is funny because you think oh politics is democracy no 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 no. the system used to exclude people that didn't have the money that didn't that didn't have the the power that didn't have the know-how and run for something has now created that that allowed for people to have that knowledge and so anybody can run for office it's not easy right right right. but you finally have somebody that will hold your hand if you're wanting to do so and it's very important. We've not had organizations like that before. And in the past, it was daunting and intimidating. And I'm sure they also are helpful. Organizations like Rough or Something, I'm sure, are also helpful with this. You know, a lot of people don't have the stomach or the fortitude for the dirtiness that comes in politics. Mm. Um, and, and so you've got to. But folks, we have to do it. I mean, that's the only way this everything's going to change. That's the only way we're going to get anywhere. Now, it was Marcos this time who said in the past, candidates all look the same. He said that I didn't. Like, when I say that, last time I said that, I got in trouble. <laughs> it's objective. Mar- 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 <laughs> Mark is racist against candidates because he said they all look alike. Uh, uh, I still can't tell Republicans apart. Right. Because <laughs> they haven't democratized um, their system and then i you know but and i said other things get myself in trouble like you know same old white males need not apply wonder bread I, you know i'm called joe biden wonder bread but wonder bread is working right now 
that works. But this might Man. be, this might be the last one to bread. If things go the way they're supposed to go, candidates will look more like communities in America. And so mm-hmm. Wonder Bread is is going by the wayside. So, you know, Joe does what he does and that's good. I said that's going to be last time since you brought him because it's just on my mind for some reason. Where are you now on whether Joe Biden himself can or should run again? Uh, he's going to run again. Why wouldn't he run again? I mean, he's having a fantastically successful <laughs> presidency. Um, you, you don't think age is a factor? Uh, he's, he's, he seems sprightly and, and with it to me. I mean, you know, okay. age might be a factor. I mean, he might have a stroke in a year or two, God forbid. Right. So we, we don't know what the future holds right now. He seems incredibly healthy and agile and engaged, and he's having an incredibly successful presidency. And I, I don't see any appetite right now anywhere for anything different. I see appetite for getting a bigger Senate majority so we don't have to deal with Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema every freaking day, right? That appetite I see. But it's very clear right now that if Congress were to pass the, the kind of legislation that we're all agitating for, Joe Biden's going to sign it. He's not the whole, he's not, we've had administration right. in the past that have sort of like, you know, Obama, we were all trying to talk about public option and Obama's like undermining us. Joe Biden ain't doing that. He's not undermining anybody. I mean, he's talking about, you know, what we need to do on voting rights, on D.C. statehood, on, on right. labor. I mean, he, he's, he's, it's yeah. almost, it's, it's almost creepy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait a second. We were, Mark, we were geared up to fight the Biden administration the way we did the Obama administration, just like pulling teeth, trying to get them to do anything. And it's not what's happening. No. He's doing no. all the right things. No, you're right. We were not expecting this at all. So no, it is a good thing. And it is actually uh kind of surprising, but but pleasant, you know. I'm and, not complaining. And, no, we're not complaining. <laughs> you know, like the song, you know, tell me am I dreaming or if I'm dreaming, pinch me to see if it's real because my mind can't decide, you know. Uh because <laughs> <laughs> right. we right. you know we'll see something come across and say, he said what? He did what? And then you want to go, you go verify. You don't believe it. You're all in that position and you go verify. He didn't do that. This going to make sure. Shot at, yeah, he took a shot at Cinema and Mansion. That's right. <laughs> I mean, what? It's right. like, get out of my head, Joe. <laughs> Stop doing the things I would do. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. That's right. And and so, um, no, that's, that, that, that's all good. So we shall see. Folks, check out The Brief every Tuesday. 130 Pacific. Right yes. here, right? Okay, 130 yeah. Pacific. And then it's also, you know, shows a bit of, as a podcast the next day. Yeah. Continue to Daily support Coast, the, the Brief, and all your favorite podcast platforms. So we are doing it all. Marcos Melissa is with us for Thursday Coast. Thank you, Marcos. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. And I'm so excited about this uh, return to normalcy, not yeah. having to wear a mask everywhere. And Yeah, it's beautiful. Feeling Weather's safe. nice. People getting outside. Yeah. Wonderful. Ah, so good. So enjoy. Yep. All right. Thank you, man. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.